Hello and welcome back to the Welsh Sports Podcast. My name is Christian. I'm on my own today. You know David. His car broke down and he snowed under in work. So he had a double whammy and lucky Dave. So I am forced to put this episode out on my own with Dave's permission, thankfully. Um, we just thought we needed to get the episode done because there was just so much had gone on over the last two weeks uh, that we needed to talk about. So without further ado, I will get going. So there's a couple of places to start, but we're going to definitely start with the football and with Wrexham getting promoted back into the Football League. So congratulations to Wrexham. Uh, they beat Boromwood on the weekend 3-1 and that was enough to seal the league win and promotion to League 2. So brilliant for Wrexham. They're back in the Football League for the first time since the 2008-2007 season. So it's been a while. Um, this was a massive thing for the town of Wrexham. Obviously, everybody knows we spoke about it on the podcast. Uh, what it's been like since Rob and Ryan took over, and they were really sort of unlucky not to go up last season. So it was really important that they went up this year because there was a lot riding on it. So a lot of pressure on everyone. But to be fair to Phil Parkinson and the players, they really did deliver. Um, Yes, such a big, big deal uh, for the football club and for the city of Wrexham, for the guys to have managed to do what they did. Uh, it was great scenes there when uh, full time went. Me and Dave actually watched it together. Um, it was amazing to see the fans run on the pitch. Uh, all the players were actually stayed on the pitch and was like mingling with the fans, so that was nice. Um, the Rob and Ryan were in tears in their in their box so yeah it was great it was great to see um a lot of relief probably for everyone involved at the club there was a lot of pressure even though they had a lot of finance and stuff like that you can't um doubt the pressure that was going on with you know they they basically had to go up uh, or it would have just been a f- absolute failure so yeah, really, gr- really great for Welsh football. So there's four teams in the in the football league now. Uh, the only one not in there is Merthyr. Sorry, Merthyr, no offence. Maybe in the future. Um, but yeah, great. Now next season they'll be in the same league as Newport, so there'll be another little uh, Welsh derby. Uh, don't think there's that much of a history between those two, but still great to see. And hopefully now they can get into this league and settle in nicely they've got a really good squad already so you look at a lot of the players they've come down from league two and league one already to the conference to be part of what was going on at Wrexham and and they so they should be ready for that league obviously it's not as simple as that but they'll finally have some extra funds not just from the owners but actually from the league and stuff to uh, build that squad up now and uh, improve facilities. I did read that the Wrexham Council are pledging some money to improve in the stadium as well, which is good. Uh, it just shows how sort of ingratiated everything is up there and how much it means, how important it is. It's massive for the town of Wrexham. Um, reading, uh, sorry, listening to BBC Radio Wales and they were interviewing local owners uh, businesses in Wrexham and they were saying like they have like so many 
visitors from like foreign places that have come for on game days and stuff. Uh, people come in for like literally for the weekend from like America and stuff, which is crazy just because of the whole welcome to Wrexham uh, TV program and stuff like that. So it's great, it's, it's massive. So yeah, congratulations to Wrexham. I did read today, which uh, apparently is true, every individual who is involved will be given a bonus of 250,000, which is, I mean, that's a lot of money. Uh, all I said was individual, so I'm assuming players and coaching staff, not sure where the cutoff point is, but that's pledged from Rob and Ryan themselves, uh, so that's massive, I mean, even though some of the players there will be on good wages, like that is potentially life-changing for like some of the younger players in the squad. Uh, yeah, so great, great for Rex. I mean, we have to give a tip of the cap to Notts County, who definitely played their part in the league this season, pushed them all the way. And it was only really uh, that game two weeks ago where Wrexham won. It was such a crazy game uh, that Wrexham actually sort of took all the momentum and then kicked on from there. So, uh, yeah, well done to Notts County. It was like a historical points tally for, for both and goals tally and stuff. So it was great. They definitely played their part. Um, yeah, so congratulations to Wrexham. Um, we'll move on to Cardiff now. Cardiff have had a few good results as of late. Um, they've given themselves a bit of a chance, a bit better of a chance to stay up. A bit disappointing with the Stoke draw. Um, a good point, but Cabba missing a penalty and it was at home, so they would have liked to have got the win there. That would have really sort of taken the pressure off them a bit. Still a lot to do. Uh, three points above the relegation zone, uh, which is red in with 43 points. Cardiff are 46, sandwiched in between with 44 points is Huddersfield, who Cardiff actually play. Uh, next Sunday I believe it is uh, they have Rotherham this week on Thursday which is the rearranged game from the controversial rained off game so that is a massive massive game because they're all, so, they're all in and around each other Rotherham 19th, Cardiff 20th Huddersfield 20, 21st and Cardiff play both of those in the time uh, and there's there's nothing between the, the nothing between them. Rotherham and Cardiff both on 46 points. Huddersfield on 44. So, I mean, you think if Cardiff take four points from there, they're pretty much almost guaranteeing their safety. Uh, the only other game left for Cardiff then is Burnley away. Uh, Burnley actually got promoted, I think, this year. Yeah. Uh, yes, they did. But so you, you'd expect them to win that one, Burnley, but. QPR, who are in and around the same area as Cardiff, one point above them now because they actually managed to beat Burnley this weekend, which is a bit annoying for Cardiff. But the main thing is Reading continue to lose, haven't won a game for ages now, and even sacking Paulin seems to have not changed their fortunes. So, uh, I mean, it's all in Cardiff's hands. There's no reason why they should stay up. They don't need anyone else to do anything for them. They've just got to take points from the last few games and they'll be safe. And uh, then maybe next year they'll have a real assessment during pre uh, in between the season and work out what they're going to do. 
uh, going forward because at the moment it's been a bit of a struggle so yeah it's all in Cardiff's hands hopefully now the next two weeks uh, they'll just manage to put themselves safe and then they can look forward to next year and uh, looking at Swansea Swansea mathematically have got a chance to get into the playoffs it's going to be a long shot they're three points behind Sunderland and they've only got two games left um, so it's mathematically possible but they would need to win both their games and other results well basically Sunderland not, not win their last two games so it's going to be a stretch but it's doable they'll just be disappointed that they've put a brilliant run in towards the end of the season they'll just be disappointed disappointed that they left it as late as they did um, but to next season there's a you know it's, it's a good signs there for Swansea hopefully next season they'll kick on and well the season's not over yet for them but next season will be the big one maybe they can sneak into the playoffs but it's not looking likely and then looking at Newport New, Newport over mathematically safe three games left now um, there's a big gap between them and the drop I think it's something like nine points so uh, no it's not nine points it's eight points so yeah like I said all of them mathematically safe uh, I think another point this weekend will, will be enough I'd be surprised if Crawley win their last three games uh, so next season now they'll look to build hopefully and uh, yeah well done to Newport because they've had a bit of an up and down sort of bit of form recently but it's been enough to get them out of uh, any sort of issues although they weren't in an awful lot but um, yeah they, they seem like they're safe now so um, and then we just want to touch on on uh, well and tip of the cap to Dave and his team set up over there he's part of if you didn't know he's part of Cardiff City women's football he does the youth side uh, but the senior side the women's won the league and the FAW Cup double uh, they won the league last weekend and the cup this weekend that's just gone now so congratulations to Cardiff City uh, women Dave like I said is part of that coaching setup so I would have liked to have been able to ask him you know what had gone on but We'll, have, we'll catch up with him next episode. Um, I think that's going to be it for the football. And now we will move on to the boxing. And it was the big fight for Joe Cordina this weekend. We spoke about it in the last podcast. Um, we actually watched it together, me and Dave. And what a fight it was. He beats Shavkat Rakimov to become a two-time world champion. Uh, the actual belt that he got stripped of he managed to get him back so it was a bit of poetic justice but it was a great fight it was an amazing performance from Cordina uh, Shavkat really did count the fight even put on a great performance but Cordina was just that little bit better a little bit more skill so he wins back his IBF super featherweight title and that, it was a split decision Personally, I didn't think it was a split decision. I was quite surprised that it was a split decision. Um, Rakimov definitely had his moments in the fight and never never stopped coming forward and trying to fight and throw punches. 
but I just think Kadina was just that bit better than him all the way through. Managed to drop him in the second with a lovely left hook, sort of created the angle as uh, Shavkat was throwing and caught him on his blind side, dropped him, his knees went from underneath him and then uh, Shavkat then sort of come back they were back and forth throughout the middle rounds. Shavkat actually hurt Cordina in the either, it was either the fourth or the fifth, I can't remember. But uh, yeah, Cordina managed to survive, hold on, get his legs back under him, and then come back towards the end of that round uh, and sort of look to win the round back. Um, similar to when Tyson Fury got dropped by Deontay Wilder, and then the second, and then after he got up, sort of won the end of the rounds it was a similar feel to that but uh yeah it was a great performance uh like i said shavkat really did put on a good good effort um you can see uh, possibly why one of the judges didn't give it to cordina but yeah it was a good it was a, just a brilliant fight so back and forth but Cordini just had the had the ability to just box him and keep him keep him away uh, but Shavkat was constantly chasing him throwing combos um he was landing when he was managing to land he was sort of shaking Cordina a bit but Cordina's movement was just too too good for him um the atmosphere in the in the uh, car, uh, sorry, the motor point was was great. Every time uh, Cordina was landing a big shot, everyone was shouting. Uh, there was, I think, there was five thousand in the venue. He walked out to David and Amor Heed, so that was uh, uh, everyone was singing. It was a, it was a really good song for him to pick out to to walk into, get the crowd going. Um, so yeah, he get his title back which was everyone say, would say he was pretty much wrongly stripped for um, and now he will hopefully get to have some unification fights and hopefully collect a few more belts I think he's 31 so he's, he's still got plenty of fights left not a million miles in the tank but he's got enough time now to pick up some other belts get some big fights uh, it was interesting after in his interview in the ring he said he had three questions for Eddie Hearn uh, he said first of all is the, the next one's going to be unification fights to which Eddie Hearn said yeah we're going to do it hopefully in the Millennium Stadium or the Principality Stadium excuse me um, which I'm, I mean it it, the Millennium Stadium is is great for that type of thing, but it's a difference between like having Anthony Joshua pack it out and and there's no disrespect to the lighter fighters, but they just don't seem to have that name. So I think if they do want to pack it out, I think they're going to have to put some big names around him on that card. But hopefully they do. It'll be a great occasion. Um, his second question was already answered by that one, as he said, was. Um, could we have it in the Cardiff City Stadium or the Cardiff Castle? I think Cardiff City Stadium is a good shout. Uh, it's a nice size. Like 5,000 was packed out in the motor point, but you know, jumping up to what what the Millennium Stadium would be, I think Cardiff City Stadium might be a good meet in the middle, but we'll see. 
And then the last question was, uh, are you going to get me a Rolex? So uh, Eddie Hearn was doing his best to duck out of that one. He's got enough money. Come on, Eddie, give him, uh, give him his Rolex, mate. But yeah, it was a great occasion. Great for Welsh boxing to have another Welsh boxing champion. And, and like I keep harping on, it was such a good fight from both fighters. Um, but uh, yeah, great for Joe Cordina. So congratulations to you, the Welsh wizard. Uh, the only other thing I wanted to touch on on boxing, if you're the, that way inclined, uh, Jake Paul and Nate Diaz announced that they're going to be boxing in August. Um, I, I, I'm not going to speak about this for very long, but um, Nate Diaz decided he's going to take some time out from choking people out in the, in the street uh, to step in the ring with Jake Paul. Uh, Eight, eight rounds at 185 pounds so I mean I, I don't really have much to say about this the only thing I will say is I'm glad Nate Diaz is as an MMA fan glad he's going to get a big big pay, payday uh, as he's at the end of his career now he's had some big fights as, as we know with like Connor and stuff like that but this will probably be his biggest payday so good on him for getting that payday um I was a bit disappointed to see it was only eight rounds because anyone who knows Nate Diaz just knows he's got an engine. He done triathletes and stuff like that, uh, triathlon, sorry, uh, and things like that. And it, one of his engine was always a big uh, uh, part of his MMA fights, uh, pushing the pace on people and making them wilt under the pressure. So to see those eight rounds, that does uh, help Jake Paul. But I don't know. I don't know how good of a boxer Nate Diaz is going to be. He was a good striker in MMA, but it's completely different. So, pardon me. Yeah, so that's the 5th of August, if you're that way inclined. But anyway, yeah, congratulations to Joe Cordino doing it for Wales and bringing the gold back to the capital. So now we're moving on to rugby. A lot gone on in the last two weeks. Uh, firstly, I'd like to congratulate the Welsh Deaf Sevens team. Uh, we had the, the Deaf Sevens World Cup, both men and women, and Wales managed to win both of them, so congratulations. The woman managed to uh, woman reached the final for the first time, managed to beat England 32-0, so that's an absolute romping over the old enemy, good job. And then the men defended their title uh, with a 20-5 victory against Australia. That actually managed to win them their third consecutive trophy. And uh, I saw a stat, Wales have won every World Deaf event which they have ended, so um, whatever they're doing, in the Wales Deaf setup, uh, congratulations, good job, keep going. Maybe give the the senior side some tips or something. I don't know. Anyway, so on to Judgment Day, which was the big event this just gone weekend. Uh, we had two games. Anyone who's been there would know. So the first game was Dragons against the Scarlets. Um, it was a good game. The Dragons were actually really good. One of the better displays I've seen from the Dragons for a while. Managing to beat the Scarlets 31-14. The Scarlets were a little bit their own enemy, their own worst enemy. Uh, 
ill-disciplined straight at the start. In the first five minutes, the Dragons were had a, an attacking line-out on the Scarlet's five-metre line, driving line-out. Something happened. The ref blew the whistle in the sort of ensuing mall breaking up from that uh, Fafita through uh, it wasn't a punch it was like a push punch with an open hand at Aaron Wainwright who was holding on to him uh, which you see all the time so he, I don't know why he reacted so badly but I think he was lucky to get away with the yellow in this day and age uh, anyone who watches rugby will know that there's absolutely zero tolerance of contact to the head uh, even though it was a, like a push with an open hand, um, it's just stupid. It was the first five minutes. I don't know, like, like how can you be that wound up at that point? But um, yeah, that then allowed the Dragons to go back into the corner, and the ensuing lineout ended up in a try. Uh, then, <clears throat> within the ten minutes, the Fafita was in the. The bin, the Dragons managed to score 10 points, so uh, sorry, 21 points, not 10. So, I mean, that, it just shows how costly that was. But Dragons were really good for the for the for the lead, they were playing some really high level skill with some high level skill. Rio Dyer absolutely skinning uh, Ryan Combia down the, the wing and then popping it inside to Jordan Williams, who scored an easy run in. Real good skill from Rio Dyer. He had a he had a really good game. Him and Team Basham were really good, and uh, Carter was great as well. So it's good good for some of the the Welsh players. Team Basham potentially putting his hand up for the Welsh squad that's coming out soon. We'll see. But uh, Scarlets did try and get back in it. Uh, they were pressing the Dragons line before the half time, but the Dragons managed to. Uh, keep them out. Team Basham again getting a really good steal at the ruck to alleviate the pre- alleviate the pressure. And then second half again, Scarlets did come back into it a bit, but there was just so many mistakes. There was a lot of like overrunning the ball, knock-ons, miscommunications, and a lot of ill discipline. Caro and Tuipolo. Did a, had a few penalties against him, which was a shame because now Callum Afoni's gone. He's going to hopefully step up into that big ball carrying presence and for him to be given away, just pointless penalties sometimes. Ill-discipline, it, it was a disappointment. He'll be disappointed with himself. But um, yeah, the Dragons ended ended up running out comfortable victors. They were good for the for the win. Scarlets were quite lackluster. They did rest a few players uh, ready for the Champions Cup, which is obviously what they're going to be focusing on for this weekend. Now the semi-finals against Glasgow. But um, disappointing. Um, a few players had a, you know, squad players or not first choice players had a chance to come on and put their hand up and, and didn't. Uh, there wasn't an awful lot to play for. They could have mathematically won the Welsh Shield, but before the game started. But as we'll talk about in the Cardiff Ospreys game, no matter what the the result was in the Scarlets game, they wouldn't have won that. So you can see why they had one eye to to the semi final this weekend. But you would think they would want to real really keep momentum because the momentum has been really good for them they've been playing really well recently 
and you would want to go into the semi-finals off a over win off your local rivals but welcome to the Dragons they needed that win for just for themselves if anything they haven't won a game in a long time now all the Welsh teams are going to be losing their big players they've already lost Moriarty they're going to be losing some other of their you know starters uh, as, as well as every other Welsh region so you just wonder for the Dragons if it's just they've had they, them and them and their supporters have not had a great time of it over the last few years to be honest so you uh, just worry about what's to come for the Dragons but you know be happy with this and take you off into the season um, and then we had the Cardiff and Ospreys so this was for the Welsh Shield the winner of the Welsh Shield gets to play in the Champions Cup in Europe the other three teams will go into the Challenge Cup um, so this was a big game for to get in the top tier of European rugby um, the Ospreys obviously were in it this year they did pretty well but um, they needed to get a bonus point win and Cardiff only needed a, po a point in the league. Uh, so anything would have done a losing bonus point, a try bonus point or a draw or anything for Cardiff. Um, that's all they needed. And to be fair, they they obviously lost Dai Young during the week on the Thursday. I think he got suspended. We'll have us, uh, speak about that in a sec. They actually came out and was firing them. Looked like the team wanted it more when you consider the Ospreys needed to score points. Uh, Cardiff were the ones who came out and, and really sort of were pretty dominant, especially for the first half. Um, they spoke after the match that they had a real game plan to uh, up the tempo a lot. I uh, saw Thomas Williams, who was brilliant on the day, taking a few tap penalties um, and running at, through the forwards and it really paid off uh, also kicking into space to move around the old, uh, the bigger older forwards and stuff um, and exposing the lack of pace that the Ospreys uh, really had I, I guess and it, and it did pay off um, a few tries uh, Mason, Mason Grady scored one Thomas Young scored one who also was, I mean, he was brilliant. For for everything that has gone on with Dai Young, for anyone who doesn't know, is his, is his dad is the coach who got suspended. He really, really, he seemed like it almost galvanised him and he was absolutely everywhere. He's got this real knack of, he's one of them players that seem to always be with the action is when there's like a line break or like an opportunity to jackal he's just got that knack and that skill of just always being in and around the action um, which is a brilliant trait to have and it was in full effect this game two tries had another one disallowed for a forward pass uh, him and Thomas Williams were really linking up well uh, so yeah well done to him he's still trying to force his way into the Welsh squad maybe um, and he's been really good for them all season for the Blues for Cardiff sorry so I think he's really given himself a chance and he put it, he put his hand up no, no one can ask any more of him really and like I said with what has been going on with his father 
it just is a testament to his character. So the Blues ended up running out uh, 38-21 winners. So they lift the Welsh Shield. Congratulations to Cardiff. Uh, But in the bigger picture for Welsh rugby, when you look at the league, none of the Welsh sides qualified into the league playoff in the URC uh, second year in a row um, with anyone who follow, follows rugby has seen all of the headlines of all these players leaving uh, I think there's going to be more to come as well so the Blues were at the moment losing 10 players at the end of the season to other clubs or retirement already so yeah it's going to be a few barren years I think for Welsh rugby fans, anyone who supports these clubs, <clears throat> their best chance is going to be targeting the cup competitions. It's going to be tough for Cardiff now in being in the Champions Cup, the higher tier of the um, of the European rugby. But maybe the Scarlets and the Ospreys and the Dragons can look at maybe having a run in the Challenge Cup, like the Ospreys have done this year, and, and like Cardiff did as well, and, and probably should have done better. So yeah, uh, we'll have a talk about Diane. Uh, he was suspended after several complaints made about his conduct. Which what's weird is this come from? It's come from like a, a various places, not not just like the staff at Cardiff. It's come from some players, um, and it's, it's there's been no clarity as to what exactly has gone on. It's said. The, the actual quote was unforeseen circumstances uh, so he's been suspended for whatever unforeseen circumstances means so uh, for them to just suspend him on the eve of the game that's basically the only thing they had left to aim for in the season you could argue the biggest game of the season I guess um, yeah very strange nothing from Dai Young's camp as to what's gone on um, and nothing really from the from Cardiff yet, so be interesting to see what comes out from that. I, I'd be amazed if we see Dai Young back at the at Cardiff next season. Like you don't get suspended like that, and then oh, all of a sudden you're just cleared of any wrongdoing. So and for it to be apparently so many multiple different people. Yeah, it's not looking good for him. To be honest, I was surprised that they brought him back last year after the end of last season where Cardiff was just getting romped by, you know, big scores, big scores, even against Italian teams. No disrespect to the Italian teams. But I, I thought he'd lost, he's, he's lost the change room, yeah, he's lost the players. And he's managed to sort of turn it around a bit clearly getting them to be the, the top Welsh region but I don't see any way back for him now um, so what that does mean for Thomas Young whether he will want to stay at Cardiff if they do sack his dad I don't know but I mean again he was tremendous Saturday and it is a credit to him um, so we'll, we'll we'll follow that and if once there's any updates we will let you know in the future Moving on to the Welsh women. Oh, before I do it, Josh Navidi had to retire. Uh, he had a neck injury and he just wasn't able to come back from it, unfortunately. So sad to have a 
you know, such a good player, uh, not be able to return from an injury, but um, he was sort of getting up there in, in age and he was probably looking towards that within the next couple of years. So this is unfortunately expedited here. 33 caps for Wales, um, went on the Lions tour, wasn't capped in the tests, but um, good career for Josh Navidi. He was good for Cardiff. Uh, unfortunately, he dealt with quite a few injuries. But, um, yeah, sorry to hear that, Josh, and good luck in whatever you do going forward. Um, <coughs> lastly, we're going to look at the Welsh women Six Nations. So, um, since the last podcast, Wales played England. It definitely wasn't a the result they were looking for, knowing yeah, uh, that's an understatement. They ended up losing by 59 points to three. Um, England were obviously the score. The scoreboard doesn't lie clearly miles ahead, but I think it does flatter them. Flatter them a bit. Wales were didn't were within uh, scoring distance quite often, and they just couldn't seem to break them down. The first 20 minutes to half hour. Wales were pretty much largely in control. They managed to go three points up. But then the last 10 minutes, 15 minutes of the first half, England scored a few tries, some some real good tries. And then they just sort of, the class showed up. Wales didn't really have an answer. They had a lot of territory, a lot of possession, Wales, but they just couldn't seem to do anything with it. Um, I think maybe uh, the forwards are, are the real strength for Wales at the moment so um, maybe something changing in the backs I'm not too sure and then this weekend just gone I mean that result was expected but maybe not not as as big a scoreline so then going into France it would have sh- shaken their confidence a bit France also another superb team both England and France a lot further down their professional journey than than, in, uh, than Wales and the other teams and it, and it definitely shows when you look at the uh, leaderboard for the Lady Six Nations but uh, went to France put on a pretty good performance again the first half well it was the other way around sorry the first half we let France run out into a real big I think they scored three or four tries in the first half and um, no response from Wales and it was a bit worrying there was at half time staring down the barrel of another big big defeat some of the tackling out wide and just all around defence out wide was no disrespect but poor from Wales it's something they're going to really want to look at um, their defence out wide but then but Johan Cunningham, Cunningham was trying some squad players to uh, give some other people a chance looking at other players, other combinations because the next game is going to be Italy which is the game they're really going to want to target to um, guarantee that third place finish uh, which will be big for Wales. So the second half then uh, he brought on some of the more... Um, recognised names, the more senior players and the forwards really sort of brought Wales back into the game. More tries from the pack 
Um, and they, you can really see that's where the power is. Whenever they, they sort of score and cause trouble, it's, it's really the, the big strong forwards. Um, the scrum half, I have to apologise, the name is escaping me, I can't remember, was really good for, for Wales causing issues when the pack was good and going forward. Uh, but then France just shut up shop and showed their, their, their quality. Again, a lot of possession for Wales, more territory than France, but France were just a lot more clinical, um, a lot more impressive in that final third. So lots to work on for Cunningham, but the, the game they'll be targeting now will be Italy to make sure they end up third in this Six Nations, which which is probably what they would have targeted or hoped for going into the Six Nations. France and England just so much further in front of everyone and they will compete uh, the last week of this Six Nations to see who wins it. So good luck for to Wales uh, they, uh, when they go and play Italy. Uh, Italy actually lost to Scotland this weekend so you'd expect Wales to be pretty comfortable favourites. Lastly, we want to just have a quick chat about MMA. We got Obana Elliott fighting, uh, I believe it's next weekend, uh, the 29th of April. So he is fighting James Sheehan in Ireland, in Dublin, which is going to be uh, a big fight. It's the co-main event, Cage Warriors 153. Um, yeah, Oban is probably the next sort of opportunity for a Welsh fighter to perhaps get into the UFC 7 and 2 at the moment had a lot had a few good fights he had a little bit of a wobbly skid in the middle of his pro career but he's come back uh, and looks like he's got a, a good opportunity to have a, a shot at the Cage Warriors title so this is apparently going to be a title eliminator but to him him and Sheehan, both similar records. Sheehan is six and two. He's seven and two. So, not a lot of difference between them. Uh, he, Oban trains with Jack Shaw out of Shaw MMA. So, you know, he's got a good team up there. Uh, he's on a three-fight winning streak. So, um, if he wins this one, and then he gets a chance to fight for the title. If he was to win the title. I mean, he's going to be really close to having that that call up to the UFC. Is it? I mean, that's a long way away, but um, yeah, he's probably Wales' next prospect in 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 that trying to get to the UFC. So, good luck to Oban Elliott, the the Welsh gangster. If you've never watched any of his fights or anything, check him out on YouTube. It's entertaining, uh, bit of a crazy dude, but uh, yeah, entertaining nonetheless. Uh, so good luck to Oban there. And before we wrap up, just want to talk about um, Aaron Aby. Uh, Aaron Aby is another Welsh MMA fighter. Not well known, but um, anyone who does know his story uh, will... Well, it's, it's crazy. He's 14 and 7 at the moment. He had a fight this weekend uh, on in FCC. He actually won his fight. He was on a three-fight losing streak. At one point, he was like touted to be um, an opportunity to be 
uh, Cage Warriors champ and potentially go to the UFC. Then he went on a bit of a skid, a bit of a, a couple of uh, bad fights. So this was a big one. Uh, he's changed organisations. Like I said, gone to FCC, um, and he won his fight in the first round, thankfully, with an arm triangle, another first round finish, he's had a few, and another submission finish, I think that was his fifth or sixth win by submission, so he's got really legit jiu-jitsu, um, and hopefully he can get some wins together, and maybe make a push back to Cage Warriors, or who, who knows, uh, he's not... That, that young anymore but the reason I bring it up is because he's got the most crazy story so uh, he was born with cystic fibrosis and uh, the doctors or in the hospital or whatever gave him like a, his parents told him he had like a life of, they told his parents he had a life expectancy of like 16 something like that um, but in, he said in fairness to his parents they were like no uh, like we're gonna we're gonna you know treat him like a normal kid and if anyone who doesn't know cystic fibrosis is, it's um, this your cells in your lungs attack the lungs and you get like a buildup of mucus, so it's like really bad for your respiratory system. Um, that's like a really bad explanation of it, but that's the basic basic gist of it. Um, but he was really into football. Um, played in Wales youth team. Played with the likes of Aaron Ramsey, Joe Allen, Neil Taylor. Um, Gareth Bale was in the squad with him, although he said he never played with him. But um, he was part of the Wrexham setup at one point when he was in his youth. And then when he didn't get a pro contract because of his cystic fibrosis, well, no one actually. He said no one actually said that, but that's the reason they didn't want to have to like worry about his health care and stuff like that. So he didn't get picked up by. A pro club so he ended up getting into MMA I think it was his uncle had a gym or was training in a gym started getting into MMA and wanted to go down a pro career of that which he started doing he made his debut in 2009 and then uh, then life decided to throw up another obstacle at him he was actually diagnosed with uh, testicular cancer uh, he was at the time nine and three and was looking like one of the top prospects in Britain and then he was given he was diagnosed with stage three, uh, stage three testicular cancer that then developed into a 15 centimeter stomach tumor and he was told he would have three to six months to live was told to write a will all of this stuff and um, he really went through it but against all the odds he managed to get through his treatment the operations to remove the cancer was successful and he managed to get back into the ring uh, a couple of years ago so i just wanted to highlight that because i mean not many people would know that story and i just think it's amazing uh, testament to him as a person and just the grit and determination and just the obviously the natural ability and hard work ethic he has so yeah congratulations to Aaron Avey won his, won his fight this weekend broke the sort of bad run he was on and uh, yeah good luck to him in his future endeavours but what a crazy life and what a, what a guy so we're all done here at the World Sports Podcast 
if you are listening, really do appreciate it. Shout out to Elliot Short, and uh, we'll see you on the next one.